0: Welcome to another episode of the Elusive Consumer Podcast. Today, Ellie is talking with Roland Cloutier, Principal at the Business Protection Group. Join us as Roland discusses his previous experience as Global Chief Security Officer at TikTok and ByteDance, the importance of protecting consumer data, accountable AI practices, and his current role at the Business Protection Group, where he helps businesses protect themselves with transparency and compliance. Let's get started on The Elusive Consumer.
1: Hi, Roland, and welcome to The Elusive Consumer. It's so very good to have you here today. I can tell you how excited I am about this particular topic that we're going to discuss in detail. So any first words of introduction that you want to kick us off with?
0: No, it's great to be here. I mean, I think, um, you know, one one of the things I love about your podcast, it gives a little something for everyone. And, uh, you know, security risk and privacy isn't exactly an easy topic, uh, you know, especially to um, people that use technology. So from my perspective, happy happy to help out where I can.
1: Thank you. Yeah. So in my line of work of market research, data is everything and how we collect the data, how we dissect and analyze and get that insight to our customers. But The topic that we rarely discuss with clients and others is that how the data is gathered if it's done with intent and integrity and how we can protect that data. So that's something that I want to touch upon in our conversation today and what you've done in your line of work to ensure that consumer data is always protected. But before we get into that, how about you start us off with your passion for security and data privacy, and how you fell into that.
0: Yeah, quite literally fell into it. I think uh, you know, I was uh, I had left the military and went into federal law enforcement, and um, ended up in an uh, organization where I was doing uh, fraud crimes uh, in in federal healthcare system. And interesting enough, it was a lot about you know fraud against uh, you know U.S. taxpayers and uh, you know, fraud against technology systems. So I actually went back to school to learn about technology. I mean, I was, you know, I was, a, you know, came out of the military, ground pounder, you know, a detective, you know, for the government, and I did not know anything about technology. And but everything I was doing had a technology nexus. Um, and and so uh, when I came, you know, um, out of school and and decided to make this my career, um, I literally found a whole new world. Uh, that needed help that that needed um, someone with a posture for defense a posture for being able to solve these hard complicated problems where bad guys wanted to use data and uh, my career took off Uh, that's how i fell into it and next thing i know i'm building my own companies and joining others as a chief security officer and it's been a been a great 20 years doing this
1: right i mean you've authored Books on security. You won awards. You've worked for some of the largest organizations in the world. But I'm interested to know what security means to you in your role as a father. Talk to us about that.
0: Yeah, I, you know, um, I have two wonderful uh, young women uh, who are are older now, but you know, they came kind of out of the womb with a Nintendo in their hands. I mean, when they were younger, <laughs> you know, they. I remember my uh, oldest. Who owns her own business now and you know she's she's just an amazing woman but you know she was three years old and logging on to our computer you know so she could play her games and do her you know her studies and learning online and you know that was you know twenty seven, twenty eight years ago and uh, and i and i remembered uh during during that time like you know how hard it was for me to manage as she grew up and phones came out and everything else and, um, to, to manage those things. And I did it for a living. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it was always a concern for me. Like how's, how do the rest of the parents who have, you know, jobs and they take their kids to their sports and they do that to like now learn technology to manage It's It's dangerous space. And then when I got, in you know deeper into that environment and realize the threats that were really possessed you know i used to do a lot of public speaking on on that topic specifically and i used to get people's minds wrapped around it by saying would you take your eight-year-old and drop them off at the corner some busy intersection in new york city and walk away from them? because Mm -hmm. when you leave them on the internet unattended unmanaged that's what you're doing right? They, they have access to content through those devices. If you're not managing them, monitoring, helping them, educating them, that's what you're doing. So as parents, it's responsible We're we're responsible for our kids in everything that they do when they're younger. And I think as practitioners, part of giving back is helping educate the world on what that really means. And, and so, you know, that's, as I think about the history of my kids and what they taught me, I think it, it it was, um, Being accountable and responsible to the rest of society, um, and and making sure that I'm not just giving back, but I'm, you know, um, the good Lord gave me some skills to go do what I do, and I should be, you know, helping the rest of the kids out there. So,
1: right. I mean, the topic of cybersecurity is so very hot right now, in particular with what's going on um, in the U.S. And it's something that I don't know about you, I. I studied law. I studied sw- Swedish law. And when I studied it back then, um, it was just a fairly new topic. There wasn't as much information about it um, as I would have liked, as most people would have liked. Do you think that has changed over the years? And do you think that there are now more regulations and guidelines for organizations as well as consumers?
0: Well, I think we have to, the the answer is yes, period, Mm -hmm. right? At Mm -hmm. the end of the day, in the last two years, there's 17 new privacy laws that came out in different sovereign jurisdictions around the globe that if you're a multinational business, you have to adhere to Mm -hmm. in each one of those areas. So put that aside for a second, because I said privacy. But -hmm. the reality is there's privacy law, there's cyber law, there's independent laws uh, for um, consumer data, the protection of consumer data. So it, it is a large um a set of legal jurisdictional requirements and regulatory concerns um, around the globe that that businesses and agencies have to be aware of. They just have to and and I mean here in the United States alone, you know, you have the FTC regulating certain things, you have the FCC, you have different you know state jurisdictions um, doing very independent and different laws. and as a business you have to be accountable to, um, those laws in the protection of consumer data, the, the privacy attributes and requirements. And even like, you know, ch- laws on children's data is in, is extremely different than that of um, general laws on privacy. So the answer is yes. And it's a very, very complex world. And I'm glad I'm not an attorney.
1: <laughs> but what about businesses and in terms of what they're doing to ensure that they stay protected and also that they protect their customers in the sense of, understanding the importance of security but also implementing a culture of security how do you go about doing that
0: well let's start um, with the the accountable and responsible thing first mm-hmm. first thing first and is is I as I talk and train other um, security practitioners and businesses um, I teach them that one of the basic things I teach them is know your business in the concept of security and, and, and protection we you know there's a simple term that's been used for hundreds of years and it's it you you can't protect what you can't see. So if you don't know what you're protecting, how can you really protect it? If you don't know what data you're collecting, if you don't know what your application does, if you don't know what your API does. Now I'm, you know, now I'm not going to get, you know, super technical, but the, the reality is um, just looking at your your value chain, your business value chain of of your company and saying, how does my product work? How do we design it? How do we build it? How do we market it? How do we sell it? How do we service it? How do we monetize it? And what are all the systems under each one of those areas? And how does the data flow? If you do that, you're 90% ahead of the rest of the organizations out there. And and so you can start by understanding your business and what data you have, what you collect, what you don't collect, what your applications can access or not. And then we can start talking about a protection program. So I I think that's the start. But I liked you getting at that question of how do you ingrain it in your organization? And, And that's... That's really just a top-down effect. I think when you teach your employees that security is important, when the CEO of the company talks about how data and data protection and the protection of our customers is important, when you um, affect policies in your environment, when you enforce policies in your environment, when you add extra layers of technological protection um, to, to ensure that you show that it's important and you invest in that portion of your product, um, I think it's, a, it, it, it kind of goes downhill and, and people start to understand it. So the more you communicate, the more you educate, and, and the more you act, uh, about what you're talking about, I think it naturally brings, um, that type of understanding to the rest of the organization.
1: Right. And have you seen any companies out there at the moment that are doing this better than others? Would you say?
0: Uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, you look at the, some of the the big companies like um, Google, Amazon, um, uh, you know, uh, TikTok. You know, the, you know, having having worked there for three years, just doing some uh, amazing uh, work with the teams on data defense and access assurance. They're, they're all doing great things. I'll take. You know, Google, for example, um, you know, it, over the last year has has provided consumers with the ability to understand what their browser is doing, stop things in their browser, um, whether um, uh, you know certain organizations and their applications want to use data or not. They give you the option, the opinion, the capability. TikTok, for example, giving parents the ability to manage uh, their their kids, what their kids can and cannot see and what data is collected, not collected. And the same with with Amazon. I mean, you see these really responsible companies um, developing um, uh, next generation technology and providing it openly to the rest of the world to say, here's the privacy standard, and here's how you build a capability to implement that within your products. I think uh, those companies are are doing really great things. And there's many, many companies around the globe that are doing it, that are accountable. Uh, uh, you know, are, are really accountable, especially in the, in the fi server, the financial services area, um, in consumer driven organizations.
1: Right. Let's go back to um, your role at TikTok a little bit. TikTok, as a platform, um, going back to the topic of younger generations using different types of social media and how parents can protect their children and so forth. They're in a bit of a risky space, right, in terms of how much can they control versus how much they want to control. What would you say is the balance that organizations within that sector should strike to ensure that, you know, they're, you know, it's a topic we're discussing right now with on, on the Google um, and what they can do to ensure that consumers continue to enjoy their platform. But in a safe space and safe environment
0: I, you know I think generally um, uh, for uh, all companies in, in that industry, I think there's some basic concepts of um, application defense and things that ensure that you know you're protecting data. I think there's advanced controls that organizations are putting in that um, segment and, and make available, uh, choices with, within those uh, privacy and security controls and what you do or do not want as an individual. And then I, I think third is the continuing work that all of these organizations are doing in, um, in the trust and safety capabilities and in understanding what's on their platform, what's, um, what is uh, part of what I would say their community, their community guidelines and their policies and being able to enforce that in an automated way, I think as they continue down this path forward, executing those three things well together equates to a platform of, that gives choice, a platform that ensures the protection of the data that's um, entrusted to them, and a platform that acts as a uh, policing force on you know that uh, is reasonably expected to be able to um, remove unwanted material and harm from the platform. I, I think. You know doing those three things together well um accelerates uh, that industry forward
1: right do you think the same applies um based on all these new technologies uh, that are coming out say with the emergence of ai and iot and blockchains is there anything else businesses can do to prepare for these new risks
0: um well certainly get educated on them mm-hmm. i i think that's that, that one big thing is I, I, I believe that people don't really understand what AI is um, and uh, how their business may or may not use them or their employees may or may not use them right they may not, it may not be an AI company it may not be a high- tech company but they're users um, and their uh, employees may be using it and, and what is what is the implications of that so I think that's one is it's learn more about it especially if you're a technology executive risk executive privacy executive in those in those companies. The second thing is, if you're using AI or ML, or planning to use it, or or um, you're thinking, you know, two three de- years down the line from a strategic um, or a product strategy perspective, uh, start thinking about accountable AI practices, right? And there's some great documentation out there. The European Union has released some great information. The UK has um, the uh, U.S. government has has released things on on. Uh, this type of appropriate use of AI. And it's stuff like uh, understanding what you will and will not use it for, um, how you will secure it, how you will look at um, bias validation, testing, and assurance. So the quality components of it, the security components, and educate your organization. The the reality is that it is like any other technology. Um, It is um, and it had, adds an exceptional capability to the delivery of product services, um, and you know, potentially you know, just such a positive influence to the lives of people around the globe that it's going to be embraced and used to, to drive industry forward. Um, but it has to be used responsibility, and we have to have guardrails and appropriate security in place to, to support it. And businesses are going to have to figure out how they pace themselves, um, and how they uh, protect themselves against it in, in all different ways. But but the reality is, in order to embrace it, you have to understand. It. And and that's the first step.
1: Right. And that educational piece that you keep returning to on the subject of security, which some people might not see as the most, and excuse me that I'm saying this, fun topic, but <laughs> how do you make it more engaging for the overall masses and consumers
0: yeah so i hate powerpoints right like <laughs> uh, so and i've been in big companies and small companies so i you know I, I kind of uh really dislike the you know powerpoint to death and check here that you've seen it and, and i get it you, when you're, you're dealing with tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of employees there's there has to be a mechanism by which that you implement something that everyone can consume it and you can validate it but people who have done it better right? Like gamification. Uh, you know, my last couple jobs, uh, we, we did gamification, uh, you know, where, you know, they can play a video game or, you know, they're making choices and, and all of a sudden, you know, the game is going in this direction and it's educating them. Um, I think that's, you know, you look at the age of your workforce. Yeah. You know, and my last job at TikTok, um, you know, the workforce was like 50% younger than me. Um, and so you have to sit down and, and look and see, understand how they consume the data, how they want to see the data. Do they want to see it on their handhelds? Do they, you know, do they want it to be a game? Would they rather have um, a podcast or a video cast? I think um, you have to really pay attention to to your culture and uh, design your education programs around that. And by the way, externally too, I think responsible companies. Also help educate the public. So you look at credit card companies or banks; they they often have uh, things that you can go learn if you're just a consumer using their you know, the bank or you know the large technology and social companies. How they have um, education videos that teach you how to use their technology and the security around it. Why it's important. Like that's important. And the last thing I I, I would say is, um, you know, repetitive beating people over the head about it with the same content, doesn't work. Um, testing to a certain level, like, and, I, and I'm really speaking to companies now, is if, if, you know, Roland or Sally uh, know that I'm not supposed to click on a link and they, and they can test out of it, like, don't make them go through six hours of this stuff, right? right? You know, have them do a basic knowledge check a couple times a year. Um, and then provide additional things for them that they, that they missed and they need and, and make it content on demand. And by the way, make it relevant. If I'm an executive administrator to a bunch of executives, I'm gonna be targeted different than if I'm in a call center. If I'm in a call center, I should know certain things. And oh, by the way, if I'm developing code, there's other things I should know. So it's, it can't be peanut butter spread. It has to be made for the culture, the community, and the job function that the folks are in.
1: Right. Let's talk about the other side, the end user or the consumers, so to speak, and them becoming more aware of their data and the, you know, the value of their data and perhaps talking about how they can get a better sort of Uh, incentive for their data than they are currently being given, both in terms of our industry, for instance, market research, as well as in in technology where data is being collected passively, for instance. What do you think is happening there that we might look further down the line in terms of how consumer data is uh, protected for them and what they can do to make the most of their data when they interact with uh, different corporations?
0: uh a lot of questions there so let me try to break that apart a little bit um well let's let's talk about consumers and their information i think the first thing that consumers can do is make decisions on the available um controls that are things that are within their control right so if if i use a specific app or application um Spend a few minutes looking at the data that they provide. We're, go- we're going to use your information for this, this, or this. Now, I get it. The EULAs are 75,000 pages long um, and a lot of legal speak, but many of them have those con- consolidated. And if you don't understand what they're doing with your data and it's important to you, don't use it. Pretty simple, right? It, it, you know, I think that's that's number one. Number two is, Go through and be accountable to your privacy settings. Let's take Facebook for instance. They have a great capability for you to decide what you want, what data you want shared publicly or privately, or what can be collected or not, and and so on and so forth. They put it in your hands, and they have a great tutorial um, that they take you through. If you're going to use that technology, use those controls, you know, be accountable and responsible to it. Now, I think, um, the next set of questions you asked really had nothing to do with the consumer. It had it has to do with legislation and uh, governmental organizations uh, protecting their consumers, and you know that will just have to continue to go down the path of um, transparency. In, in, in from my perspective, it, there's nothing the consumers can do there but vote in the people. Um, you know, in their in their cities, towns, counties, con- you know, states, country. That uh, that it has a focus on ensuring the collective protection of the the consumer the consumer's information, and the more transparent we make it, transparency of choice, transparency of control, transparency and knowing what my data is used for, and having a choice in that. Right, those as those are getting written more and more into law, it actually makes it easier for organizations to digest and to automate, and to put as components of their product. And it makes it easier for the consumer um, to make decisions on what they want their information used for or not. Um, you know, I happen to like the fact that in certain applications, um, they know that I'm looking at a certain type of technology and doing research, that it pops up, hey, here are 16 other areas. Did you know that this is going on? You might want to look at this. I like that. Um, I you know, I don't want my email gone through and then provided. Uh, you know, information on me talking about my, you know, Thanksgiving dinner with my mom. Like I, I don't, I don't need recipes popping up. Um, so in other areas, I don't like that. And so the more that that becomes a choice for the consumer, and the more that products uh, enable that, yeah, I think just becomes uh, a more positive, uh, a more positive relationship between the consumer and the businesses interact.
1: Right. And talking about the positive interactions, you know, there's a lot of negative spin on data and data privacy. Um, We don't talk about the data that does good as much lately. And I'd like to emphasize that and how some of these big tech companies have actually made, you know, technology more accessible to the wider masses. And also, Giving us um, a larger set of data, and when I say say us, I mean the research industry, and you know all of, uh, and that benefit ultimately goes to the corporations and our clients, um, and helps improve prod- products for uh, the better. Look at COVID, right? I mean,
0: look at you know like, what? How long would have ten years ago? How mm-hmm. long would it have taken to actually find? you know the the capability to defend against covid from from the bio uh, biopharmaceuticals mm-hmm. um that th- that was lightning speed and 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 each year we get faster it could be days you know based on, on the data and and it and it treats and saves lives you know around the globe and and speaking of you know the pharma industry uh the more data they have um the better they can treat and cure diseases and it's right. and, you know and I know it's it's you know it's so regulated and it's um and it's such sensitive data it has to be done in the right way with the right controls right but we're, we're doing great things the science around farming I mean like you can get me on this forever right like I'm a big believer in the use of this data mm-hmm. my my daughter's a farmer right she works in the in the um in the agriculture manufacturing field and um The way you look at drone footage, the way you look at um, the monitoring of uh, remote monitoring of of soil segments and uh, the health of uh, livestock all coming into these databases, creating an understanding of what our food sources are looking like, the health of our food ecosystem um, and driving when we may have droughts versus when we're going to have excess, and how we can spread that and share that across the globe. Like that's happening today. That is things that did not happen 15 or 20 years ago, and and so um, I think understanding data, how it can be used, and and being accountable to appropriately protecting the type of data that we're responsible for within these research institutes or in these industries um, is critically important. But you are right; like people are living better, healthier lives um, because of the use of technology and, and the, their information.
1: Right. On the flip side of that, do you think that because of some of the concerns that we're seeing today, that um, governments might perhaps impose stricter regulations, which might prevent further innovation? Or do you think that the right balance will kind of find itself? Where, where, where do you stand on that topic?
0: Um, I'm kind of a glass half full type of individual. So, um, I, you know, I think... Um, the, the world overreacts and comes back, and they overreact and come back. So I think we'll see harder things, and we're going to have to, you know, work within governing policies and, and bodies to to educate them as well. I mean, um, government organizations are not technology experts, although they have some. Um, you know, often how the rubber meets the r- rubber meets the road, they they need uh, better education. And so as long as we continue to to be joined in the same goal of of advancing the the betterment of society while ensuring the protection of consumer and citizens in you know in in um different jurisdictions around the world i think we're fine um and it's it's going to be a test and validate right Can, can you actually apply that control broadly um no you break an entire industry um and well is it bad if you break that industry maybe not but um then here's what you're losing from that so i think I think there will be gives and takes testing and analysis um, on how that works. We did it in the financial sector um, and we made a lot of great progress in in protecting and ensuring the information assets, financial infrastructure in the the financial ecosystem of of, uh, this country and and many others. And and so I think we can continue to do that in an evolutionary type of way um, that involves both the public and private sector.
1: Right. I want to talk a little bit about your existing role at the Business Protection Group. Talk to us about that.
0: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm uh, first time in 30 years. I'm out of uh, operations. Uh, you know, you know, morning till uh, late at night. Uh, you know, worrying about who's hacking who and responding to major incidents and saving you know things around the world. Like it's the it's the first time I get to take a step back and um and give back a little bit and help to. Uh, other CISOs and organizations on the development of their their programs that protect their businesses. Also research, um, I'm doing a lot in the last three years have been huge in data defense and access assurance and how um, you bring to life the capability and the realism that there's a way to do this. And there's a way to do this with great transparency and great protection and, uh, and truly uh, be able to achieve uh, regulatory compliance and, and you know I think we're just at we're just at the edge of greatness in this area so I've I've, I've taken a step back to do some research in that and, and help companies um, that are in that space um, looking at advanced technologies you know as technology moves we moved from the enterprise and then we moved to the cloud and then we moved move to apis and now we're in these microservice service mesh infrastructures and each time you do that, there's a major title change of controls and where it happens and what you can see and can't see. And so making sure that the industry understands that and that there are companies out there that are being funded to go protect that and to help in that change are some of the things that I'm working on. And quite frankly, it's great fun um, and and doing a lot of uh, education at the same time and uh, lecturing. Um, so just taking the, you know, 20 or 30 years that I've, I've had in protecting businesses and people and in and society, um, and, and helping others understand as as they're coming up uh, into this new, uh, crazy technological world, how, how they can effectively do that job. Um, and what we have to do next is what I've been focusing on.
1: Great. I'm also really interested in your background in the Air Force and as a veteran in the military. So talk to us about how that has shaped your career path.
0: Uh, yeah, it's the foundation, I guess, of 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 who I am and what I've uh, I've become. I think um, the 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 military was something I had already always looked forward to when I was very young, um, following my father's footsteps as a Air Force Security Policeman, um, and the 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 military in general, and the militaries around the globe give such a great understanding of of a collective mission. So how we work together to affect the greater good and and to protect um the citizens of of, you know these societies that you know we live in um there's a lot goes with that you know there's there's the normal stuff like discipline and self-discipline and um, teamwork and effective leadership um but there's also the thing within my own practice uh from security like when when you're protecting things, lives, um, and, uh, people around the globe, um, the, the government spends a lot of money teaching you how to do it right. And it's, and it's come over hundreds and hundreds of years of, of learned examples through wars and peacetime and conflict, um, how to do this right. And so I have been, uh, I am so grateful for the, the opportunity I got in, in, not just the Air Force, but working in the Department of Defense and then and working in civilian federal law enforcement um, of the, the countless hours of, of training um, that I've gotten and been able to continue that in my commercial life. I never thought I'd be doing the same job, but you know, uh, not with law enforcement powers, but with the ability to affect and protect businesses, um, companies, and people um, for, you know, around the globe in a very different way. And that has given me such a firm foundation of how I lead, how I think about protecting, um, and um, how I continue forward and making sure that we're, we have a life cycle of, of, of learning and execution. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, it was uh, certainly the, the foundation of, of uh, who I am today.
1: Right. There's a couple of things in there that I want to uh, dig, dig into. Uh, the collective mission aspect of it all do you think that most of the larger organizations these days have built that collective mission or do you think that that's lacking in some of the these corporations
0: i don't know if i want to opine as I you know I do, i'm not in those organizations i can't tell you but what i could tell you is that i talk to a lot of leaders um and and sometimes even, even in our own industry and space um you know our profession um you know, we forget about it. I forgot about it. But you know, when you're leading individuals that doing this type of work, I think it, it's hard. <laughs> I mean, the work is hard. Like, you know, all work's hard, you know, but you know, security risk and privacy, there's there's laws, everything changes, people are trying to hack into you, you're responding to stuff, it's late hours. Like it it's it's tough work. You gotta really want to do this. In order to keep people motivated, often it the people that do this type of work. Want to know why? Why am I doing this? What 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 am I helping? You know, when I was um, working in technology manufacturing, we used to talk to the teams every day about your systems are going to eighty percent of critical infrastructures around the world. The stuff that's being built in those manufacturing centers that you're protecting is going into eighty percent of critical infrastructure industries around the world. If we don't do it right, it breaks or gets hacked. You're talking about you know, mass implosion of society that uses this information, these these data assets to manage their countries. No pressure. Um, no pressure. <laughs> and when you're talking, you know, when I was was at ADP, we used to talk about one in six people on your street get paid through these systems. You, billions of dollars of money movement every single day goes through these systems to ensure the financial ecosystem of this country. One in 10 pay slips around the world get processed through our infrastructure. You're accountable. You know you, This... If you want to be here, if you want to do this work, that's your mission. And you may be an analyst. You may be a security engineer working at a specific part of cloud. But if you don't do your job that your partners over here are expecting you to be doing so So their stuff works, then you, you're you the weak link and you failed it. So if you want to be in this mission, be in it. Know what, know what you're protecting. Um, and it's the same thing at TikTok. And that team, just an amazing team over there. They, you know, they... They knew we used to have it on our shirts, protecting the world one TikTok at a time, ensuring the sanctity of the data, ensuring that the platform is clean um, and and free of comforts and and things that would harm uh, harm others. I mean, that, you know, these teams get it. Um, And so I think great leaders um, make it a purpose, a daily purpose to ensure that their organizations know what their mission is. And so when I speak about the collective mission, I'm 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 you know obviously talking about, you know, what we did in the military and government. But the reality is every company has a mission. If you're healthcare, it's patient safety and ins- ensuring that people get well. You know, if if you're in oil and gas and in that part of critical infrastructure, it's making sure that, you know, that people stay warm, fed, and the lights stay on, right? Those are, those are pretty big issues. Right. Um, so mission is important.
1: Right. And do you think that that mission translates to the consumer? As in, the companies that really emphasize what their uh, collective mission is are the more successful ones, or do you think I that think that's? I think so.
0: Yeah, I think. So. I think. I think when you see an organization, an organization care mm-hmm. about the people they are supporting or supplying, um, or as their customer, um, then uh, I, I think you're more to want to be aligned to that brand you know it, it even comes out to commercials right like you know, when you were a kid and you saw that coke commercial and it was it was a great coke and it meant a wonderful sunny day didn't you want a coke right like i think it's you know the the marketing you know, there's marketing but there's and there's realism when you see the state farm i love state farm you know I, i'm a state farm customer why because when i was working hurricanes to make sure that that um Places that got, you know, just pummeled by a hurricane, had no infrastructure, but we wanted their paychecks up and running. We wanted to make sure that our people were safe and we were there. State Farm would beat us there every time to make sure that they were taking care of their customers. That's the type of company I think that consumers want to be aligned to is those that not just talk the walk, but they walk the walk. They show it every day and they bring that mission forward and, you know, put it on their, you know, wear it on their sleeves every single day. So, yes, I think consumers um, do, you know, they don't just get faked into Believe It, they look for the reality of what's happening in that organization.
1: Right. We often talk in our industry about how the businesses that are the most successful are the ones that can actually truly engage and connect with their consumers. And I guess it's difficult in certain verticals to actually be able to connect with your consumers, but how do you think some of the organizations that you've worked at, whether it's ADP or TikTok or your current organizations, have been trying to do that to truly connect with your audience?
0: Uh, so, so many different ways. I think, um, you know, when you when you talk about uh, organizations that have, that provide consumer services or um, even, uh, you, know, you mentioned payroll service or something like that, when, when, they offer tools, technologies, and training to, the, to, the, to the, the end user, the people that are actually using this, and capabilities to make their life better, I think, I think people see it. Um, I think when they look at their involvement in the communities they serve, and whether it's something as simple as, I'm a veteran, so something I, I love doing is taking people coming out of the military helping them understand what they can potentially do in the future and retraining them for um, commercial work. Um, and, and so many companies do that well now. Um, or uh, they work in their communities to, to fight homelessness or hunger. Um, they give time to their employees to go into the communities and, and do that, I think is exceptional. And they see that that's not just talk or one social, you know, thing that they're trying to to advertise, but Companies that are consistently there, maybe that's the word consistency. Um, organizations that that take the time and effort, and real effort, um, to align to their consumers and, and do great things, I think is important. And you see that in different ways. You see you see companies in the high tech space creating joint councils with their competitors to fight things like human trafficking, right? You know, consumers see that. And, and they're like, you know, I have kids. I worry about my kid getting abducted every day. And the fact that these five companies are working with, with global law enforcement, Interpol, and, um, you know, national authorities to prevent this, I'm going to support them. And, and so I think consistency and actually really doing the work is important.
1: Right. Let's circle back to the security topic and um, talk to me about an example of a really tough decision that you've had to make in your experience working in this vertical and how you went about coming and arriving to that decision.
0: (laughs) So many decisions, (laughs) so little time. Um, You know, as, as, uh, as protection specialists, uh, it's kind of like, you know, like law enforcement says they, you know, bleed blue, right? Like they, They this is what they do. This is what they were born for. And same same thing, I think, in um, the profession I'm in. We we don't like to see bad guys win. Um, But often you work for a commercial entity that only has so many dollars. Their market is only so big and you have to make choices. Um, Am I going to defend that, which is most important to my consumers and the protection of the organization and the shareholders? Or am I going to go do that, which I really want to do, but maybe doesn't have the same effect. The prioritization, I think, happens on a daily basis. But as you run through budget cycles and you run through um, critical issues that impact the business, the customers, the shareholders, and uh, the economies you serve, you have to make risk-based decisions. And honestly, that on a yearly basis um, is probably the Find the thing I've always found the most difficult is is what do we attack? What do we push forward, and why? And and when things drop below the line, as as they like to say in business, is it the right decision you made? Um, like you can make snap decisions about to investigate or not investigate, or to you know um, uh, go into a market or not in that market. Or there's there's so many decisions that you can make. I think that the toughest one I continue to find in my career is what will I do and not do this coming year um, mm. to ensure the, the commitment to the mission and to the business and to our consumers?
1: Right. Um, you mentioned prioritizing and budget cuts, which is, I think, on top of mind for every organization these days. Yeah. If If you were to say the company comes to you and goes, you know, we emphasize security, data privacy, all of it, corporate governance, however, we only have X amount to spend on this. What is the most important aspect that companies should not forget to invest in?
0: Ooh, um, in security. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's it, it's that's a tough one. Thanks for asking that. Um, listen, there's some basics. There's there's just some basics, right? And and um, you'll look at. Uh, industry analysis, and they say 83% uh, of all breaches are caused by things that could have been simply prevented through, you know, basic industry standards, um, in, ensuring that the compute infrastructure has uh, minimum viable capabilities to defend itself, like uh, what they used to call antivirus or anti-malware, now it's EDR and, and, and different concepts around it. Like, you can't operate a business without that. It's irresponsible right so I think that's some of it um, monitoring um, if you're not looking at the stuff you're claiming you're protecting probably you're gonna have a bad day uh, first because you're not going to see it and right. uh, it's gonna cause the greater harm over the longer amount of time and second you're not going to be able to respond to it well and it's it's not good for your your company your consumers um, or your brand in in anywhere shape so make sure you have the minimum protection that you have um the appropriate level of, of monitoring going on and the last thing i will say is um this really understanding of identity within your environment um identity is super important it's the basis on how we protect data it's a basis on how we let people have access to things it's the basis on how we make um, data movement decisions so identity has to be prioritized and you know I could go down 15 other minimum viable requirements but I think if right. you're looking for the top 3 I would I would stick with those.
1: And you think those apply to startups as well as larger corporations?
0: Oh hell yeah. Like mm-hmm. like you know I I talk to uh, small businesses all the time like what can I do as a small business? Listen, you're not going to hire a chief security officer. Mm-hmm. You're not even going to have a CIO cuz you are the CIO mm-hmm. as the CEO and the business owner, right? Um, but uh, can you do simple things like um, make sure that every computer that your 15 employees have has um, uh, anti-malware protection on it that you can get from, you know, your your high-speed data provider? I mean, it doesn't matter if it's, uh, you know, Comcast or any one of the, the big ones. Most of them provide AT&T. They provide um, anti-malware. They don't want it on their networks as much as you don't want it, you don't want it on your computers. So... Um, Do things like that. Make sure usernames and passwords are used. Um, If you're a little, you know, if you have sensitive data, get support, you know, a couple times a year from an outside third party to make sure you don't have breaches or other problems. And, and of course, tell your people it's important. Have them show, have a policy, explain the policy the day they get hired, make sure that they attest or sign that they're going to agree to it um, and enforce it. it. You don't need money or technology to do that. You need a passion to say that this is important to our company. It's important to our customers. Um, and it's important to the community we serve. So it's, it's going to be important to us. Um, so please, you know, please know these five things. And by the way, these things are, are free, like on the National Cybersecurity, um, Alliance and CSA. Um, these things are free to small businesses. Um, there is uh, small business administration has uh, free capability as well um and even department of education has free training uh material for businesses so the excuse of we can't afford it doesn't ride um,
1: right
0: you know if if you can afford to be a business and um be accountable for having people's information um you you can afford to um engineer that into your operations
1: right Really, today, you can't afford not to um, is the reality of things. Talk to me about um, something innovative and creative that you've done or come up with in developing security programs.
0: Um, You know, I'm still a big believer in converged security. Um, and, And so the term converged security is when you look at certain aspects of security risk and privacy operations where you don't have... Um, you know, separate organizations doing them all. You converge them into one. I, as you mentioned earlier, I wrote a book on it for post-grad education um, and, and the industry. And, you know, as a CEO, it's tough when you have you know your cybersecurity executive or your CISO come to you and say, this is important, and then you have a chief security officer come to you and say, this is important, and then you have a head of risk come to you and say, this is important. It's all important how do you look at it under one umbrella and when you start to stovepipe disciplines um, a, you know across different security entities then you start to stovepipe mission and then you start to stovepipe capabilities and you don't have shared capabilities necessary and shared services like your risk organization should support all of them your monitoring and response organization should support all of them And so one of the innovative things that I've done through my career is continue to evolve and create organizational capabilities within the industry um, to have converged security organizations at, you know, very senior levels that drive effectiveness, cooperation, consolidation, financial responsibility, um, and efficacy improvement through the shared use of capabilities across all of these different disciplines. And one of the things I'm most proud about, I think, um, the, the better you can use your resources and assets to do the mission better, and following the steps, what you know, um, you know, even our militaries have done right. When you think of the um, JTF operations um, or Joint Task Force operations in, in the military, you know, the 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 uh, the the naval um, uh, the naval group is broadcasting what they're seeing on the ocean to the army operations on land, and the Air Force is broadcasting the things that they're seeing in the sky, all on one, uh, what we would call threat service, right? They're, they're sharing that information, and they're operating together under one joint command. And in, in, in businesses, in security, risk, and privacy, you can do that too. Um, I you know I think, I think why that is innovative is because most people haven't thought that they could necessarily work operationally together. My take is you can't afford not to.
1: Hmm. If we, I'm conscious of the time, but I have so many questions. So I'm sorry. Um, if we were to talk about security today versus security tomorrow and looking at different stakeholders, so let's talk about pa- going back to parents again, for instance. What do you think parents can do? What do you think uh, consumers who are concerned about? other people who they might be caring for, whether they're caregivers or parents, in, in fact, can do to protect themselves today. And tomorrow, we talked about the educational piece. But what else if you had to give a few top tips?
0: I'm worried you're reading my email, Ellie. Um, <laughs> so, so this is funny, because um, I have um, uh, an elderly um, uh, parent at home here mm-hmm. um, that uh, lives with us that um, as part of our multi-generation family. And um, I realized um, what a slacker I've been recently. And because he's, you know, he's always conscious he doesn't want to use my time, you know. Uh, but over the last few weeks he had some questions about some texts he was getting and some emails. And finally I sat down and I said, let's, let's talk about what you're getting and, and what's bugging you and, and, and that sort of thing. And I realized that I had not helped him Understand the apps he was using, right? Even um, even even folks in their 70s and 80s are using you know um, iPhones and applications today for different things that makes their life better, but they don't understand the technologies necessary behind it or the capabilities that they have to stop their information from being shared or being very very public. Um, and so, one of the things we can do as families, um, starting on the if, if, if we're caregivers, is Make sure that they understand what their choices are and help them through it. Because most of us grew up, you know, especially in my generation and below with our phones. We know how to manage our apps and our technologies. Uh, we've kind of the first generation of folks with that level of technology. Help your families, help help your neighbors. Right. Um, uh, I think it's like anything else. If, if you live next to an elderly person and you see them up on a ladder, go help. Them, right. Mm-hmm. If If you see them trying to use technology, go help. Them. I mean, that's, that that's number one is, is we can, we can use that um, uh, to make every, everybody a little bit safe. Um, and, and uh, so that's number one. Number two, um, for parents, <laughs> uh, buckle up. It's not going to get any easier. I think, um, uh, you know, the, the basic premise of the technologies that your kids use, um, and many of them have the ability to have. Um, family and guardian-centered capabilities. So what I always suggest to parents is that you make a determination based on the maturity and age of your child uh, or the the child that you're caring for um, to decide when it's appropriate for them to have technology and going, going back to agreements that were developed probably 10, 15 years ago um, that says, if I'm going to allow you to have this technology, this is what we're going to agree to. or not, right? You're the parent. <laughs> you know, if, if, if you're not going to agree it or abide by it, you're not going to have the technology. It's really that simple. Um, and uh, so start with the basic explanation of what's what's right or wrong in, in your family's um, or your home's eyes and, and help them understand the why and, and, and set that law. Number two is be involved. Uh, you know learn like this is probably dating myself but you know like uh, when my kids were younger i would be their friend on on their facebook or on their ig account all right and 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 by the way we don't do ghost accounts and if i find out you have a ghost account you lose your phone for 30 days like basic rules i think parents parents are trying to enable their children to embrace technology and by the way they're using all day long they They get up in the morning and they're looking at their schedule on the refrigerator, on on the television, on the refrigerator. You know, they, you know, they're doing homework on their iPad um, and schoolwork all day long, right? They're constantly engaged in technology. Understand what controls you can have on them, Um, whether they can connect to certain sites or if it's going, you know, you can um, put safe site software, uh, especially for the younger children. So they can't go to certain sites. So it's really important. Often it's free. You Jeff, you just have to put it on. So make sure that it's eight, your devices that your kids are using and the applications are age appropriate um, and that their devices are safe. And the third thing I would I would say is um, utilize the technology that these, these companies are developing for you. If, mm-hmm. if, if a company has a family engagement model that allows you to be paired to your child's device and allows them what they can or cannot see, or what they can or cannot post, use it, right? It, it is whether it takes an hour or two hours out of your life can save you years of misery of trying to clean up from what one bad actor does to your child. And and so making sure that you spend a couple hours understanding the technology, if you're going to let them use it, is important. It's it's table stakes in in protecting our kids today because it is such an ingrained part of their life.
1: Right. And in terms of the businesses, if, through your many years of experience working with various different organizations, what is some of the key takeaways that you would tell them to better protect themselves and their customers today and in, in into the future?
0: It's a complex environment, and um, I'm going to break it up into security and privacy, because I think although they're joined, security enforces the controls. Uh, that helps the privacy aspects so i think they're very different i think especially companies today you can be a small candle to, you know manufacturing company in your basement and you're a multinational right and you're you're holding certain types of data is that um seek help i think you're not going to be a privacy ex- i'm not a privacy expert right um in and, and make sure that you understand what your responsibilities are um and uh, what you can and cannot do um, specific to privacy, like seek to help, um, get privacy experts. Um, you don't have to hire people full time if you're a small company, but you should seek um, counsel to, to make sure you understand, um, especially when it's protected information like consumer data or financial data or health data or anything of that nature. That's That's number one. On the security side, Do the basics. And whether you're a small company, a mid-sized enterprise, or or a global company, you know, there's a level that you should be at based on the type of data you have and the criticality of your operations. Um, uh, Measure yourself. Sit down. um, And if you're a small business, use the Small Business Association self-measurement on how your security is. Um, If you're a large enterprise, I'm sure you're doing this anyways, but make sure you have external, um, you know, third parties do assessments of, of your programs capabilities and the efficacies um, of your controls uh, but test yourself and and ensure that you're applying the right level of understanding of what the risk is to your company to what you're investing and and it's it's always going to be a balance and it always will but this isn't a do it once and forget about it this is an every year thing this is um an everyday thing if you will from a security perspective so um, make sure you get the help on on the privacy side and on the security side. Um, you're providing clear measures.
1: Before we wrap up, and is there anything else that you want to convey to our listeners?
0: Uh, take this seriously. I mean, listen, especially in this space, right? When when we're collecting information to help our business, to help the consumers, to help research, um, the it is with great um, Accountability comes some really great responsibility that we have in this space. And uh, it's not impossible. It just takes effort. And uh, the more we can do to drive the trust of the the public and the consumers, um, the more we're going to be able to do to push the world forward through the use of uh, better information and technology.
1: Roland, I thank you so much for your time today. Thank you.